0: Hey prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Hello, hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of Daigle Bites. Welcome to the launch episode of the podcast. I am so delighted that you would join me today. I'm making sure that my voice is extra podcasty just so it sounds perfect for you guys. Hopefully this is good. For those who are visually stimulated like I am, I'm sitting in a box um, with blue styrofoam pointy things staring at me, and I have a shirt with shoulder pads and a hat on that looks like I just crawled out of the swamp. I'm so excited to be with you guys today. It's going to be awesome. I am so delighted to get to do a podcast, first of all. Um, A lot of people have asked me to start a podcast. I don't know why everybody wants to hear what I have to say, but I enjoy it, (laughs) talking at least. So I decided, all right, let's come up with a way to do this. So my manager and I got together and she said, hey, you know what? It would be really awesome if we could kind of record some of your Q&A's from the VIP sessions at each show. That could be a really cool podcast. And I said, you know what? I like that idea. Less work, more play. I like this idea. So we decided to comprise your questions, turn them into a podcast so that we can interact. It's going to be awesome. If you're ready, let's go. The first theme that we're going to start our podcast with is music. I love music. Music is one of my favorite things in the world. It makes me come alive. It makes every cell in my body just jump and leap with excitement. So we decided, let's let music be the first thing we talk about. So we have a couple of questions for our very first episode. The first question comes from one of my favorite places in the world, New York City. We had a show at Radio City Music Hall. Let me tell you, my palms were sweating. But I loved that venue so much that I wanted to design a set out of that venue. It's just stunning. If you've never been there, make sure you go. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. We got to go to the top apartment where the Rockefellers once visited and lived. And that was a really special treat while we were in Radio City. So while I was there, I also got this question. How did you end up getting discovered by your record label? And here is my answer. I was in this band uh, at LSU. It was a covers band. And they introduced me to this other band who, they were awesome. They said, hey, can you sing background vocals on our record? And I said, sure, I'd never done anything like that before. I'd never really been in the studio, had no experience, I was super green. But this record label reached out to them after hearing their record and said, hey, would you like to come up to this indie artist retreat? By the way, we have one more female spot because the girl that we were going to take up, she um, backed out at the last minute. So if that girl wants to come up and just pretend like she's a solo artist that's fine okay here's some context at the time I had no idea that this is like a record label you go out to this indie artist retreat to get signed I had no no idea I'm just like oh cool a free trip to the mountains I've never seen the snow I'm from Louisiana that sounds amazing let's do it also we have to sing for some record labels sounds great I'll probably learn something I've never known before that was clearly, that was like, I'm a seven on the Enneagram, if anybody knows what that is. I'm a full whim kind of girl. And so I just jumped up and went. And it's the morning of the showcase. I'm like, well, I'll just sing a cover because I have only written songs in my bedroom, like not for people to hear. And they, you know, they, they were okay with that. So I was like, all right, great. I'll sing a cover. Well, sure enough, the morning of the showcase, the lead singer of that band that I'd sang background vocals with that went up there, they, he ended up getting an emergency appendectomy. Now for context, we're like four hours into the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle. We're in the middle of nowhere. So he basically got an emergency appendectomy, which is where they take your appendix out, in like a hut in the middle of the mountains. Not a hut, I'm being dramatic. But there was like, it was like a three-room clinic, <laughs> and he went for it. But while he was getting his appendix taken out, they said, hey, could you sing lead vocal on this one song? And so I said, sure, yeah, that helps both of us. That's great. Um, not that I, yeah, anyway, not that I was like, sure, get your appendix taken out. I'll go and sing your song. That wasn't the point. But it just so happened that I was, I was in, that, in that space and time and I remember closing my eyes while I was singing, and it felt like, it was a feeling I'd never really had before. Like everything, you know how when you close your eyes, like typically it's kind of black? Or at least when I close my eyes, it's like black with a little bit of blue. Well, this time I closed my eyes and it was white everywhere. And I felt like, and, and when I finished singing the song, it felt like I'd, I didn't realize where I was. Like I opened my eyes and I was like, oh, that's right, I'm in the middle of this. Showcase Like, it felt crazy. And right after that, they came up and they said, hey, we'd love for you to come and write in Nashville. What would you do to be signed? And I was like, oh, I'm just going to move to Nashville. It sounds like a fun time. There's the seven. And then they are like, well, if you're that serious, then we'll sign you. So that's kind of how it all worked. But my friend and I are still friends to this day. That band and I are still friends to this day. They all have babies and they're married now, and I just have a career, so there's that. (laughs) I'm kidding, <laughs> but we have a lot of fun. They're still good friends. Raleigh, North Carolina, boast of some really, really kind people, if I must say so myself. I used to go up to Raleigh and Charlotte to visit some family friends of mine, so it has a really special place in my heart. While I was there, I was asked a wonderful question. How old were you when you wrote your first song, and how did you write it? Um, when I was 11 years old... That was the first song, and it was probably to stay awake a little longer so that I didn't have to go to bed. <laughs> but honestly, I, I remember being in bed and getting out. My parents had tucked me in, the whole thing. And I got out, and I started writing on a notebook on the floor, just laying on the floor. And I was processing all of the thoughts that were going on in my life at the time, and I just wrote a little song, and I was so excited that I wrote a song. I ran outside my room, went and got my parents, and I was like, can I please perform this for you? And they're like, what are you still doing awake? <laughs> it's been hours. <laughs> um, but I went, and I, I stood on the fireplace ledge. We had like one of those raised fireplaces, and I sang it and performed the song for them. I don't remember what it sounds like, and I don't remember what I wrote, but I just remember that moment. <laughs> My next question comes from Nashville, Tennessee. And let me tell you something about Nashville. I've lived here for about seven years, and I love it. I really do. The people are awesome. The music is awesome. And I think it's growing kind of wild right now. Bachelorette parties. Hello, how you doing? Everybody comes up every five seconds. I look out my window, and there they are, dressed in all their bridegroom glory. And, um... I've decided that Nashville might just be one of my favorite places to play as well. While we were in Nashville, we had the privilege of playing the prestigious Ryman. And let me tell you, the Ryman has incredible history. If you don't know about it, jump on Wikipedia or some sort of source to find out all the details. It's a pretty historical venue and has a lot of rich, rich um, heritage here. So I was honored to get to play that venue. And we didn't play it once, we actually played it twice. And I kind of pinched myself because I remember it was one of the first places that was booked on this tour. And um, I remember feeling like, are are you sure? It was before the Look Up Child record came out, and I felt like there's no way that I'd be able to fill up the Ryman. And not only did it happen, happen once, it happened twice, two nights in a row, sold out, all because of you guys being so kind and so supportive. So thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me cross off something on my bucket list that I didn't even know existed. Anyway, while I was there, I was asked the question, what advice could you share to an inspiring singer-songwriter to have confidence in their own work? Really enjoy the process. So if you're not feeling confident right now, that's not actually a bad thing because when you do find your confidence, you'll be able to look back and see where you've grown from. And I remember the first time I was on stage, I was so nervous. I was I was shaking. My diaphragm was all wobbly, so my notes were coming out like this. And I was just terrified. Um, but the more I did it, the more I realized, I'm actually just leading the first note. And then somehow the rest of the room joins in in that experience. And then they come and they they add to it. And if you realize how actually selfless being on stage, because you're getting this experience with all the other people, you realize what you're doing is actually just sharing in a gift. And it's the shared experience that's so rich and so deep that when you bring a present to your best friend, you're sitting there like, I can't wait for you to open it. I can't wait for you to see what it's like. And then they open it and you both get that look in each other's eyes and you're like, do you like it? Is it good? So you're a little intimidated at first, but then they look back at you and you're like, oh, she likes it. This is awesome. That's kind of how it is being on stage. If you can just think of it like, okay, I'm about to give the audience like a little present and hopefully if they look back at me, they're going to smile and you see one person smile and you let that one person lead the entire night. It doesn't have to be the whole room. It can just be one person. If you can just touch one person, then you've done exactly what you've set out to do, you know? So my advice would be, confidence will come with time. It'll happen. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the nerves. There's times where I, I wish I had nerves again. And then they come and I'm like, why did I ever wish this upon myself? It's the worst. But I've been singing now 11 years or 12 years since the first time I stepped foot on stage. And um, I don't... I, just gets different. It doesn't necessarily get easier the more you do it. It just gets different. So enjoy the process and just think about the present. You're all sharing in this experience of a gift. Back in Raleigh, North Carolina, I was asked, what season of your life were you in when you wrote Look Up Child? And I responded with, I was doing music, totally exhausted, touring, living up to all of the striving and trying to run towards expectation instead of just sit, um, you know, be still. That was not happening. And I remember um, it was at a place of just extreme burnout. I was so exhausted feeling like I'm never going to escape this. I'm never going to ex- escape the pressure. I'm never going to escape the expectation. Um, and people just want more and more and more and more. And I'm I'm one person and I'm just a human. And I remember in that, and it's not, I'm not saying that's you guys. I'm saying the role of what is required to be on stage. It just is so, there's so many things that you have to fulfill. So I remember thinking, this is what I loved. Why is this ruining me? Like I I love music. Why is it tearing me apart and just wearing me out? Well, I went to meet a friend. His name is Bob Goff. Have you ever heard of him? He wrote that book, Love Does. OK, so I sat down. And I said, Bob, how do, you, how do you just keep going? I'm like, I'm so tired. And I'm 24. I was like, there is something seriously wrong with this. And I started realizing I was having to become someone that I did not want to be. And in that, he said, you need to travel with Mr. Potato Heads. Literally, that was his answer. And I was like, okay. He said, because you've lost touch with the eight-year-old version of yourself. And it really just, it collided. And he said, you're taking on all of the weight of the world and all of the expectation and all of the pressure through the eyes of an adult who only knows how to live under anxiety. But an eight-year-old child, when they walk into the room, if there's a big businessman sitting there saying, can you sign this contract? They're going to be like, sure, what um, stars can I draw next to it? And there's this lighthearted, childlike nature that is so free and so beautiful about children. And that is who I naturally am. I'm naturally the girl who's whimsy and full of life and silliness. But I was battling with serious depression, and it was the exact opposite of kind of who I was. So in all of that, I I decided, all right, I've got to bring this into the next record. From this point forward, I remember kind of drawing a line in the sand saying, I can't become what this role could take. Um, Or really it was, I told someone the other day, it's living up to the expectation. What is that going to take from me? Um, and I realized I don't want to be living in a space where things are being taken from me. I want to be living in a space where I'm supplementing the requirement. And with that, I just said, all right, line in the sand. I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be the stressed out crazy lady who can't, who's hiding in closets because they can't see another person. That was me. I was like, I, and I'm such a social bug. So it was really bizarre. Um, And so with that, I decided, all right, line in the sand, I'm going to remember who I've always been and take that person into the next phase of life and into the next season of life. And for those who love it, they can grab a hold. for those who don't have fun without me. (laughs) Knoxville has great food. I like the food in Knoxville. I like the people in Knoxville. It has one of my favorite theaters, the Tennessee Theater. While I was in Knoxville, I was asked, What inspired you to write Rescue? Rescue came from, well, one, I was exhausted. There's this day I was like, God, why on earth did I sign up to do a co-write on my one off day from the road? Like, what was I thinking? I was so tired. So I said, could you just drop a song from the sky? I was like, please, I just need one. I can't let people know that I'm tired when I go into the studio. That'll say something right there. So I go in and I was using the bathroom and all the best songs come when you're using the bathroom. I'll just let you know. (laughs) And so I was like, I got this picture of a girl who was spinning in a million different directions. And in order to get to the next place in life, she would hold on to vices, whether it's people or drugs or alcohol, whatever the thing may be. And I'm seeing this image of this girl and She's looking at the things before her and saying, I know I'm not that person, but that is who the world identifies me as. I know I'm not that person, though. And just kind of in this tension of, of what is the next step for me? And Jesus walks down this hallway, and he turns into a room, and he sits next to her. And she said, oh, I knew someone would see, you, see me for who I actually am. I knew someone would come to rescue me. And I think that's what's so beautiful about him is he, he comes and he sits next to us in the middle of our brokenness and our weakness and our shame. And he doesn't cast judgment. There's no condemnation. Instead, just him being with us is what sets us free. That's why he's called the savior of the world. And so for me, it was, it was just seeing what happened in that moment with her. Like, this was all just in my brain. I have an imagination like crazy. So I'm picturing all of this, right? Well, um, it all came at once. The chorus just came all at the same time. And it was, Love will send out an army to find you In the middle of the darkest night It's true, love will rescue you and I remember bringing it into the studio. And I was like, I think I might have a song. I don't know. what's, Who's to say what a song is? Anyway, I was in one of those. like, ah. And it, I played it for them. And they were like, oh, my gosh. Wow. What? Where did this come from? And one of my producers, Paul, he said, you know, we should have it as I. I will rescue you. Because love, love can be tarnished on this side of the earth, on this side of heaven. Um, and he, you know, he talked about the person whose mom walked out on them or whose dad walked out on them, whose husband left them, um, how does love look when it's been taken, taken advantage of? It's hard to see love as a rescuing factor, but if someone is singing over you, I will come for you. I will rescue you just as Jesus sings over us. Then that would be a a much more potent lyric. And so we went with that. And then the the demo vocal that we recorded right then, so we wrote the song right then, and we record a demo every time we write a song, that's actually the vocal that is on the radio. I mean, on the uh, record. We never changed it. Thanks for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about how music has impacted my life and how it has brought me to the places that I am in today. Means so much I love music. Hopefully you gain something from this. See you soon, guys. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Dagel Bites. Make sure to subscribe, tell your friends, and send me your questions to podcast at laurendagle.com. See you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants.